today, uh, I want to share a message um, out of Matthew chapter 26. So if you got your Bible, go to Matthew 26, and uh, I'm going to do something today just a little bit different, and I want us to uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. So would you stand today? We're going to predominantly be right here in Matthew 26, the majority of our time together, but... Traditionally, historically, there was a honoring of the word of God where we would stand in reverence to the word of the Lord. And so today, we're going to do that um, as a church family. And so we're going to read 10 verses. Um, So come along with me. So we're going to start in verse 36 here. And it says this, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he he began to be sorrowful and to be troubled. And it says, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to the death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further as he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let let this what? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he says this, the it indeed is willing, but the the flesh is weak. How many of y'all realize that this week on a fast? All right. Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed, my father, this cannot pass unless I drink it. Your will be done. Then it says, and again, he came and he found them sleeping for the eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the, for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Father, we love you. And God, we just uh, dedicate this time right now as sacred time. Time where we disconnect from everything that's going on around us. Um, And I know everybody in here has... Things happening, things going, decisions to be made. But we just press pause in this week for you to speak. God, give us ears to hear what you're speaking to the church. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see today. Lord, we just thank you that you're here in this room. Lord, we love you and we bless you. And God, be with the tigers today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, somebody. Somebody got to pray for them. All right, let's go. Go, tigers. Okay, so, well... God bless Coach O. Okay, so. Hey, by a show of hands in here, how many of you would say that you are good under pressure? By a show of hands, you said you're good under pressure. Raise your hands. Okay, okay, put your hands down. How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, I'm honest, I'm in church, I know I can't lie, I am not good under pressure whatsoever. I just know it. I'm not, not the best. Okay, all right. We've just separated the winners from the losers. Um, so, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's one thing to be good at something. It's a whole nother thing to be good at something when there's pressure. And really, pressure really, at the end of the day, does separate. Because it's one thing to be able to do a task. It's a whole nother thing to be able to do the task under pressure. 
Like, I love basketball. I love sports. I love all that. I was actually outside uh, this week. Nobody was here. I had a basketball, and I was shooting baskets out there by myself. I felt like I was Michael Jordan, man. I mean, he was making shots. I was cheering myself. I was like the coach, the crowd, and the player all at one time. I just needed a moment. Like, I was like on this fast, and I'm like, I need to get outside and do something. So I was reliving my glory days, you know, counting down five, four, three. I mean, I was all of that. Which, man, I am, I just want y'all to know, I'm a really good basketball player, okay? Except when there's pressure. <laughs> when someone guards me, my game goes just to a different level. Unfortunately, probably not the best level. Because when there's pressure, you find out really what you're like. Some of you in here maybe are amazing singers in the shower. I mean, you are just... You're up there. You know, Whitney Houston, I mean, and I, you know, you're going at it. That's you. But put you in front of Tiger Stadium singing the national anthem, we'll find out real quickly. Come on, we watch American Idol. We see those people whose mamas tell them they're good and they're really not, okay? All right, we know who those people are. But it's one thing to be able to do something really good. It's another thing to do something really good under, under pressure, and it's what separates the average people from the professionals. It's what separates the good from the, from the great. It's the reason why we have professional athletes and Olympians and all these things, because we watch from our TVs and go, I could do that. But you don't understand how they do this under pressure. You know, preaching is pressure. I don't know if you realize this. Like, this is pressure. Do you know that the number one fear that people have is public speaking? That's like the number one fear. It's number one. Number two is death. People would rather be in the coffin than actually speak at the funeral. And I've got to do this every week. And then on top of that, I'm not just like giving a TED talk. Like I am responsible to hear the voice of God, extrapolate the principles of the word of God, and then to be able to give them in such a way that you understand it and you apply it from an omniscient, unknowing, all-powerful, amazing God of people who have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. No pressure. No pressure at all. Week in and week out. Now, you might not be a preacher, and 99% of y'all in here are not preachers, but I can go ahead and probably determine that there are many of you in here, though, that are living under pressure. All of us in here are probably living in some type of pressure at all, and if you got some notes, I want you to follow along with me because I feel like I'm going to give you some things today that are going to help you if in any way you are living in a place of pressure. We're all in pressure in some regards, but I want you to hear me on this. Pressure is not prejudice. Pressure is not prejudice. And what I mean by that is pressure, it doesn't matter your age. You could be young and you could be old. You can still experience pressure. You can be black, you can be white. You're still going to experience pressure. You can be poor, you can be rich. You're still going to experience pressure. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Pressure is not prejudice. Pressure comes to all of us. And, and you know it. You understand what it is. You, uh, parents in here. Parents. Who's parents? Who's a parent? If you're a parent online, let us know. If you're a parent, pressure? Pressure? Like pressure to parent your children, pressure to parent them in this day and age, pressure to get it right, pressure that you feel like, where are they going? What are they doing? What am I, did I do a good job? Did I not do a good job? Pressure. You feel the pressure of it all. Family pressure? Anybody got family that puts pressure on you? Oh, you ain't married yet? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, not yet? Oh, man, it would be nice to have grandkids one day. Man, that would just be so nice. That would be amazing. The, the pressure that people put on you to, to meet their expectations. Anybody felt that before? Pressure to meet people's unrealistic expectations. Pressure at your job. You got pressure from your boss. Pressure from maybe the coworkers that you have to work with. Maybe there's deadlines you've got to hit or there's projects that you've got to perform on and there's things that, are, that, that have got to be done in a certain amount of time and you feel the incredible pressure that comes along with this. Students in here, school, pressure? High school, elementary school, college, there's pressures, there's tests. You got to get good grades, that's a pressure. I've got to make sure I figure out the right college. Where am I going to go with my future? Pressure. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Pressure. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to figure this out? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's just pressure that comes on us in so many different ways. Financial pressure. Anybody felt that? I know you have because I read your prayer cards. Y'all know what y'all talked about the most? Family drama, financial pressure, and, and health. Those are the three main things we got asked to pray for was people dealing with things in their family, people having money issues and money problems. I went and filled up my truck the other day. $100, $100. Now, that wasn't even the thing that took my breath away. That was already hard pill to swallow. I got into my truck. My truck said inside it was 100 degrees. I was like, when my gas gauge and the temperature match, we're in trouble. Like, there's a problem. Financial pressures, we feel it everywhere we go. Things are costing so much more than ever before. People are losing jobs. There's so much pressure that's happening all around the world that we're in. How about this? Church pressure. Now, I know we don't want to talk about this one, but I think there's probably any place that's probably some of the greatest pressure is in when there's church pressure, where you feel the pressure to act like you're better than you actually are. That you come in and you're actually, your life is under incredible amount of pressure and people ask you how you're doing. You're like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all good. God is good, actually. Well, I didn't ask you if God's good. I asked you if you're good. I know he's good. Are you good? Oh, I'm good. I'm blessed. I'm good. I want you all to listen to me. Look at your neighbor right there and say this. God is good. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Okay, now look back at him and say, newsflash, I ain't God. Can we be honest in here? I ain't God. I ain't good all the time. Anybody else in here got undone, undone polishing your halo here? Come on, I get frustrated. I get angry. I get stressed. I get burnt out. I get tired of people. Sometimes I get tired of myself. Anybody else in here? Like, I, I, I feel this. I'm not good all of the time. And if you're not God, it's okay to not be good all the time. But in church, you feel like for some reason you come into church and you've got to be prim and proper and I've got to be good and all, the, all that's got to be okay. I just want you to know, listen, you don't have to be good all the time. And when people tell me they're good all the time, I always think this in my thought. They're either pretending or they're perfect. They're either pretending or they're perfect. And I know which one they're not. Y'all with me? And so there's, there's pressure. There's pressure. You would be so incredibly surprised at how much pressure some of the people are under that are just sitting on your row. If you like really didn't just bolt out of here right after service and you actually got to know the people next to you and you said, really, how is your week? How are you really doing? And there was maybe a, a little bit of honest conversation, you would be so blown away at how much pressure people are walking through right now. 
And the trick of the enemy is for you to believe that you're the only one living under pressure. And the enemy is getting you to believe that the way that you handle pressure is you medicate it, you ignore it, you, you try to um, run from it. But how many know God has given us a better way of how to handle pressure? That we don't have to just medicate it, we don't have to ignore it, we don't have to run from it. Like God has given us this ability to handle it. And today in the passage that we read, God gave us a look. Think about this. God gave us a behind-the-scenes look into the life of Jesus in a moment when he handled the greatest pressure in his entire life. And we got an opportunity. Listen, we know the Lord's Prayer when the disciple says, hey, teach us to pray, and he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, he gave us a model of prayer. But God loved us enough that he actually gave us an inside look into the personal prayers of Jesus. Like you got to see Jesus actually how he prays and what he prays. And so we see that today. And although he is under extreme amounts of pressure, he realizes that just because I'm experiencing this pressure doesn't mean I'm not called to this. And I want everybody to listen to me very closely. Because we live in a generation nowadays when you start feeling pressure, you must be like, well, this must not be me anymore. I must not be doing this anymore. I must be doing something wrong. Hey, maybe you're doing something right. Maybe the fact that you're experiencing pressure is because that's exactly where you are called to be. Listen, God will never take away your gifts and your callings. He's given those to you. So you need to hear me very closely. The enemy cannot take your call and the enemy cannot take your gifts. But can I tell you what he can take? He can take your confidence. And so this is what happens when you're under pressure, under extremes amount of pressure, whether it's work-related, whether it's mental, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in your marriage and there's pressure and pressure and pressure. Our, if, if, if the enemy takes our confidence, we'll step back when we should be stepping up. And so today, my challenge for us is that whatever pressure you're under, don't buckle under it, step up into it. God has given us an ability to have confidence under pressure. Everybody say, confidence under pressure. I want us to be people who have confidence under pressure. Confidence under pressure. Which, by the way, if you take confidence under pressure and take those first letters, that is the word cup. And one of the things that Jesus prayed was, God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have anything to do with this. But, not my will, your will be done. In 2007, there was something that was mandated in every single vehicle that was ever made. How many of you seen this image right here? Look at this right here. How many of y'all seen this right here? Y'all know what this is? Who know what this is? That's TPMS. TPMS. That's not tired, postpartum. No, anyways. Okay, so it's... <laughs> Anybody know what this is? It's for your what? It's for your tire. It's tire... It's your tire pressure monitoring system. In 2007, they mandated that every vehicle have this in the car. So that way you know. And this is designed to give you the reading of the tire pressure. Tire pressure. If you're losing tire pressure. And, and so they had blowouts that was happening all over the place. And, and people were getting into accidents. And it was becoming a very, very major thing. And... Um, 
And I think oftentimes we can buy into the lie that if we're under too much pressure, we can explode. And that is true. I mean, if we're under way too much pressure, you can, you can watch that. It's natural physics. If you're under way too much pressure, things can explode. But watch this. Watch this. But sometimes if you're not under enough pressure, you can explode. Tires have been known to blow not because they didn't have enough. I mean, not because they had too much, but because they didn't have enough. And so a part of healthy living is not to try to get rid of all pressure. Because how many know that's not reality? What is reality is for us to live in a healthy place of understanding the right amount of pressure. So the question is, how are you going to handle pressure? Because we can't run from all of it because some pressure is really, really good. Some pressure is not so much good. So what we need is we need God's ability to help us understand what's good pressure and what's not good pressure and then live in the right place of pressure. Pressure can be really good for us. And so today I want to show you in uh, James chapter 1, I want us to go to James chapter 1, and then we're going to go back to the story of Jesus, but I want you to look in James chapter 1, starting in verse 2 through 4, and, and I love how the message translation says this. I don't really like to study from the message trans, but I, but I do like to read it because it just gives a different perspective of James chapter 1. We probably have all heard James chapter 1 and other translations, but I want to show you what the message says. Eugene Peterson writes it this way. He says this, consider it a sheer what? Come on, say that again. A what? A gift. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Pressure, pressure from everywhere. Pressure from all different places. That you know that under pressure, under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. This is what it does. So, when you're under pressure, don't try to get out. That's one of our ways of coping. We try to get out, we try to run, run away from the pressure, we, try, we quit. Say no more, I'm done, throw in the towel. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. All right, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I see my heart best when my heart is pressed. I see my heart best when my heart is pressed. Listen, it's, it's very, very easy to uh, walk through life when there's no pressure. Of course that's easy. The word Gethsemane, the actual place that Jesus went to, is the word olive press. That's actually the word, olive press. Jesus was literally walking into a garden that was called Gethsemane, called olive press. Ready? How do you get olive juice? By pressing it. As you press it, the juice comes out. And for all of us in here... We've probably even taught this to our kids, but it bears repeating for all of us that what comes out of your life, what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your heart is most revealed when life, your life is pressed. If you don't like what's coming out, maybe that's because God's trying to do something. 
Maybe God's trying to reveal something. Maybe God's trying to show something. And some of you and some of us, and I believe probably all of us in here, need to thank God for the pressure. Because how many of you know, if it wasn't for the pressure, God wouldn't make you, God wouldn't mold you, God wouldn't develop you. But because of the pressure, you're being made, you're being molded, you're being developed, you're being, you're being changed into the image of Christ. The pressure has caused you to rely on God like never before. True? Man, I haven't seen more people praying than when their marriage is under attack. I haven't seen more people going and coming to church than when life is kind of all over the map. When the pressure gets on, it's amazing how we are driven either one towards God or we're driven away from God. And my challenge for all of us is that in the midst of pressure to understand that what James says is that under pressure is a gift. It's a gift to you. And for many of us, I don't know about y'all, do y'all does it feel like a gift? It feels like a gift I want to return. I don't want that gift. That's not a gift that I want. Tests and challenge, bring them on. How do you wrap them? Okay, I want some more of those. Nobody asks for more of those, and yet God says, if you want to develop into the image of God, if you want to be more like Christ, then allow the pressure of life to come on you, because as it comes on you, when my heart is pressed, I see my heart best. And some of you, if we're all honest in here, myself included, I have been incredibly embarrassed of what my heart reveals when it's been pressed. Anybody? I've been incredibly regretful of the things that have come out of my mouth when my heart was pressed. I've been incredibly embarrassed of what I've done when my heart was pressed. But it was, it was the Lord that allows these things in our lives to reveal to us the things in our hearts that he wants to go after. Listen, if I was to have a little tea bag up here and I would go, what's in this tea bag? Nobody would know what's in it. You have no clue what's inside that tea bag. But listen, you don't know what you got and you don't know what it's not until you put it in a bot, into a pot that is boiling hot. And when it's boiling hot, how many know you find out, mmm, that's good. You find out what type it is, what flavor it is, but you don't find it unless it's in the pot under pressure. God has us maybe in a time, in a season where there's pressure and maybe the enemy is putting on pressure. We live in a world that is trying to conform us to its pressure. I'm not saying that all pressure is from God. Some is from the world. Some is from the enemy. And can we just all really agree? Some of it is from us. Some of us, we put ourselves in financial pressure because we bought things we shouldn't have bought. Okay, Josh, just keep going. All right. Um, just keep going. Just keep going. But some of us are in this place where, where there's been pressure. There's been pressure maybe because of our own foolish decisions. There's been pressure because of, of, of maybe other people's decisions. There's been pressure because of the world and it's conforming against us. It's going on against us. There's pressure all over the place, but there's pressure and it's there. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no sweeter worship than when you worship under pressure. I don't even think you've worshiped until you've worshiped under pressure. Because I mean, no, you can worship God whenever the bank account is full and, the, and that spouse is doing good and the kids are great. But how I many know it's a whole other level of worship whenever you got the divorce papers and the doctor told you you're going to be sick and then this happened and then you had this death happen and then your kids are going crazy. How many know that's a whole nother level of worship? God, I worship you even when the pressure is more intense. And we get a picture of this. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross 
And as he got closer to the cross, he knew from the beginning of time that he was going to be going to the cross. And as he gets closer and closer to the cross, he feels the pressure more and more and more. And so today, as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at uh, how he dealt with pressure, I think we can see four things that will help us have confidence under pressure. Confidence under pressure. Four things. Number one, first one, write this word down, is preview. Preview. You need a preview. If you're going to have confidence under pressure, you need a preview. All right. Now, by a show of hands of those in here, those that are online, you can join us, and uh, I'd love to hear you as well. How many of you in here like going to the movies? You like going to the movies? Raise your hand if you like going to the movies. Okay, there's a good bit of you. I don't know if there's those of you that are online. I like going to the movies. I enjoy going to the movies. Now, I want you to know there are two types of moviegoers. Okay, the mo- there's, there's one type of moviegoers, which is if, it's, if the movie's at 7 o'clock, um, which I don't really go to 7 o'clock anymore because I'm old, so let's just say, okay, if the movie's at 2 o'clock, <laughs> um, uh, then, then, then you're leaving the house like, like one, four, well, we don't have a movie theater in here. Let's say you're going to Crowley, 20 minutes away. Like you're leaving the house at like 1.40. 145, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to just, just as long as I get there for the movie, there's that type of moviegoer, Okay. How many of you are that type of moviegoer? Like, you don't care. You just want to get in and see the movie. Okay, there's a couple of you. All right, all right, all right. Then there's the other type of moviegoer, which is if it's at 2, you're leaving at 12, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going to get there. Come on, somebody. I'm going to get there, and then I'm, I'm going to go to the concessions because, I mean, no, I can't watch a movie without a popcorn, all right? So Lindsay and I, we're going to get a big old thing of popcorn, and she's going to get a Coke, and I'm going to get a Dr. Pepper, and then we're going to get that popcorn, and then I'm going to tell them about halfway. Hey, no, no, right there. Can you stop right there? And I'm going to go over to the little butter thing, and ta 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 Okay, you can have it back, and then he puts it, and he puts some more. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to learn the ways here, all right? This is how it goes. And then I want to get into the movie theater. I want to get there soon enough where, where, where I, can, I can scope out my spot. Nobody likes to, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Some of y'all, that's, that's demonic, okay? Don't do that. That's terrible. I want to be the guy who gets in super early, like nobody's there, and I go find my perfect spot. Lindsay and I, we're, we're in our perfect spot. Like I want to, and then what I'm most excited about, actually, is sometimes not even the movie. I'm excited about the previews. I'm, I'm pumped about the previews. And, and if, and if the, the company did a really, really good job, I mean, think about it. You've got about a two minute of all these clips that they put together of this preview. And I mean, you're like getting super excited and you're getting amped up. And then have you ever had this where, where you see all this and you're like, yes. And then at the end, it's like coming in 2025. You're like, no, no, 2025 or the worst, take it up another level. The worst is that it goes, coming soon. <laughs> You're like, when is soon? I don't even know. Like, there's nothing worse than seeing that. I mean, like, you're amped up. You're excited. I remember when all the Star Wars stuff was coming out. They were showing those things like two years in advance just to tease you of what is to come. Watch this. Watch this. That's what God does. God will often give you a picture and a preview of what is to come, and then he'll say, coming in 2025. (laughs) Sometimes, if I'm honest, most of the time he says, coming soon. (laughs) He doesn't even give you a timeline. He doesn't even give you a date, but he gives you a preview of something that you're like, yes, that is a word from the Lord. Yes, I believe that is my future. Yes, I believe that that's something there. He'll give you a bit of a taste of what is to come, but oftentimes it's only a preview. It's never the full thing. 
And when it comes to pressure, here's what, watch it. Here's where the pressure is. The pressure comes not in the preview. The pressure comes is can you hold on to the preview before the premiere because the pressure is in the middle between it all. Can you continue to hold on to the preview even when you haven't had the premiere yet? Watch this. This is all throughout scripture. Abraham. Abraham walks out, God speaks to him and says, look up in the stars, this is gonna be like your children. Look at the sands of the earth. You're gonna be, a fa- you're gonna be father of many nations. Father Abraham, we're gonna call you. You're gonna have many sons. All right, this is gonna happen. And you know what happened when he got the preview? Nothing for a long time. Like a long time. Like, like him and Sarai were at CVS getting their you know, senior citizens medication fulfilled when this happened. Like finally, like they finally came to the place where God finally brought the premiere, but it started with a preview and there was years and years and years and years and years where they didn't see anything, but they had to hold on to a promise. Joseph, can we go to him? God gives him a dream. He's gonna be a ruler. People would be bowing down to him. And guess what he gets? The pit. I'm like, this is a junky preview, all right? Then what does he get? Prison. What? And he waits and he waits and he waits and he waits and eventually, finally, God does bring the premiere. This is what happens. And, and, and yet what we see this all throughout the life of many people that are followers of Christ is that the pressure is to wait in between the preview and the premiere. I don't know how many of you in here, God's maybe given you a word. Maybe God's given you a word about your children, or God's given you a word about a job, or God's given you a dream, and then you lost your job. And you're like, what in the world? Like, this is totally opposite of what God has told me. And yet, you've got to hold on to that. And this is what Jesus had, because how many know the Bible says that, that for the joy of the Lord that Jesus went to the cross? You know why Jesus could go to the cross? Because he has a preview that the cross wouldn't be the end. He had a preview knowing that, listen, I may go down, but I'm coming right back up. My father's going to bring me right back up. So today, whatever pressure you're under, the question is, have you got a word from the Lord and a preview? Now, you say, well, how do I get a preview? That actually leads to number two. Number two is a place. You need a place. I want you to see something here. Actually, Dr. Luke gives us a description of of, um, this story that's very unique than what Matthew did. Matthew gave us one, one perspective, but Dr. Luke gives us a totally different perspective of this exact same moment. And I love Dr. Luke because Dr. Luke's very detailed. I'm a detailed guy. I like Dr. Luke. He's a very detailed dude. And he puts in a detail that Matthew doesn't put in. Watch what happens, what Dr. Luke says. Look what what it says in in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, when we talk about the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Jesus went out, everybody say these two words. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane, same place. And his disciples followed him on reaching the the place. And he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. The most powerful part of this whole passage of scripture right here, these, these two verses, is these two, is these right here. As usual and a place. As usual and a place. 
Jesus did not just happen to stumble into the Garden of Gethsemane on a night that he was exhausted and tired and under pressure. No, no, no. If you want to have confidence under pressure, what we can learn from Jesus is you need to have a place where you spend time with God all the time. He did this as usual. He was an as usual frequent flyer member of the Garden of Gethsemane. He was always there. What was he doing there? Always spending time with the Lord. You want to have confidence under pressure? You got to have a place. You got to have a place that you're spending time with God. And how many know the enemy is going to do everything he can to fight your place? He's going to do everything he can to fight you spending time with the Lord. Let me prove it to you. I don't know if any of y'all in here maybe are, you like to watch Netflix or you like to watch TV or, or you know, Hulu or Apple TV, whatever it may be. But have you ever noticed that when you find a series that you really like, you can binge watch that series till like two in the morning? Y'all know, you're like, okay, one more. Okay, this is the last one. I've got to work tomorrow. One more. Okay, one more. I'm not, no more. One more. Yep. Anybody? Okay, be honest in here. Okay, yeah, I've been all up. I've been deep in that. And then you look up, it's like 3.30. You're like, I got to wake up in two hours. All right. But have you ever noticed that you can do that, but go to get in the Bible for three minutes? You're like, <laughs> anybody? And I'm not talking about being in Leviticus. I'm talking about like being in something good, like James and Philippians. You're like, you know, you're, I mean, you all up in it. Count it all. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that when you go to spend time with God, that's when everybody needs you? The phone calls come. The kids need something. Like every time I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into my time with the Lord. It's like everybody. Like What? Because the enemy knows that. It's pressure. Pressure that comes that's trying to get you out of that secret place. And I love what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said it this way. The Bible will help keep me from sin, and anything that keeps me from this Bible is sin. We've got to have a place. You've got to have a place where, you, where you, you're, you're with God. As Jesus, as he's there under pressure, at least he's in one place where it's very common. I've been in this place a lot. It's in this place that I wrestle for my kids. It's in this place that I fight for my marriage. It's in this place that I, I seek the Lord on direction. It's in this place. And that's really what this last seven days has been for our church as we pray and fast is we're just trying to create a rhythm of you having a place and a time with the Lord. Every morning at 7 a.m., we send out a daily devo that's a five-minute, or unless you're Pastor Jamie, 14 minutes. Um, I ragged that boy so long. And he talked on sex for 14 minutes. I'm like, come on, brother. Okay, so... I won't even tell you how he commented on that, but okay, it's a whole nother thing. So some of y'all are like, how do I get these daily devos? Okay, so <laughs> what? How do I get these? Text daily devos to 94,000. You can get them, okay. Um, I don't even know where that came from, but okay, we're going to. Oh, okay. Being in the word consistently. All right, being in the word. We're trying to help you here, all right? Trying to help you here. So I, I, I want to I challenge you. Here's my challenge, Okay. I want to challenge you to not be 911 believers. That the only time that you seek the Lord is in 911 situations. But instead, I want to challenge you to be Psalms 91 believers. 
You ready what a Psalms 91 one believer is? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God, I pray that that's us. That we're not 911 believers, but we're Psalms 91 believers that say, God, I want to abide. That word abide is a word of intimacy. It's a word of connection. John 15, he who abides in the vine bears much fruit. May we be the type of people that we, as usual, are spending time with God. And you're like, I don't know how. We'll help you. But as you consistently get into this place, Jesus knew. Jesus knew. He needed to have a preview. He needed to have a place. Let me give you number three. He needed to have people. He needed to have people. Look quick. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew 26, he says this. Then Jesus went with them. Everybody say them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Okay, but watch. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Did y'all just catch what just happened? I don't know if y'all caught what happened. Okay, follow with me for a moment. Because oftentimes we can read, read the Bible and totally skip over an incredible moment that just happened. So Jesus just got done with the upper room, the, the, the last supper that we all know, the picture of that we see. And Jesus says, okay, we're going to go to the garden and pray. All, all guys, everybody, come on, let's get up, let's go. We're going to go pray. Y'all come pray with me. So they all go. All, all Well, 11 of them, because Judas is gone by this time. So 11 of them get up, and they're all following behind Jesus. I always wonder, is it like two by two? Is it like in a line? How's that happen? But they're all following. They get to, that's just how my mind works. And so they're all following. They get to the garden. He says, okay, guys, listen up. All right, y'all grab a seat. Just grab a seat. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to pray. Okay. Oh, look, look. Oh, wait, hold up. Uh, Peter. Uh, James. Uh, John. Hey, you guys come with me. All right, yo, we're going to go. And then they go take off and they go to another part of the garden to go pray. Now, I don't know about y'all. If I'm the other nine, I'm like, what the heck? I can pray. <laughs> like, I'm good. I can pray. God, what, what, what is it? Like, why did, you pick, why did you pick those guys? And if you know the story of Jesus, Jesus was actually always picking those three in different times to go to other places in his life because Jesus knew this. Watch this. Jesus knew this. When the pressure gets greater, my circle has to get smaller. Let me just say that again. When the pressure gets greater, my circle has to get smaller because, listen, not everybody can handle your vulnerability. And when you're in the most vulnerable moments of your life, you're not getting on Facebook to invite everybody into it. You're calling a couple people and say, I need you right now. I'm in a bad place. And what the problem is, is we have a generation that's sharing it with everybody, but the problem is everybody will take advantage of your vulnerability. And if you're not careful, you can surround yourself around people who will take advantage of your vulnerability, not for your benefit, but for their benefit. And Jesus knew that in order for me to get through the most hardest, most darkest, the most painful moment of his life, he was going to have to have some people in his life. Not everyone can handle you when you're under pressure. They can't. Not everybody can so you may be here, and you may be in a life group with 10 people, but when, man, when the storm hits, you may call two. 
You may call too. And that's not a, a, a thing against the other people that are in the group. It's just I know that when the pressure gets greater, my circle has to shrink. I've got to get around some people that know my heart, that know me, and that will, come on, how many know when, when, that, when that comes and my emotions are vulnerable and my life is vulnerable and I've got to make big decisions, I need to get myself around wisdom, around encouragement, around hope. I don't need naysayers. I don't need people who will doubt me. I don't need people who are going to suck the life out of me. Come on, I need faith-filled people in my corner, in my life that will encourage and help and strengthen this is what I need. This is what you need. And Jesus needed this himself. Think about this for a moment, though. This is a bit weird, though, because Jesus is the type of guy that doesn't seem like he gets scared in any moments. He can handle pressure. We look at the story of Jesus. Jesus was in a boat with his disciples, and the Bible says that literally the massive storm was coming against the boat to the point that the disciples were freaked out. The disciples were scared for their life. Jesus is taking a nap. And they run over to Jesus and go, Jesus, hey, I don't know if you recognize, like, we're taking in some water here. We need you to wake up. And he's like, oh, what's going on, guys? Oh, yeah, we're about to sink. I don't know what we're going to do. And he's like, hey, peace, oh, peace. <laughs> and yet here we are. We see Jesus in the most vulnerable state of his life. And Jesus ain't just peace. It's because there's a difference from a storm hitting your boat and a storm hitting your heart. And here we are, Jesus is in a moment where the storm is not just hitting the boat, the storm's hitting his heart. He realizes the moment of what he's about to go into and he says, as I'm about to go into this, I need to make sure that, I, that I've got the right people in my life, that I got the right people around me. You guys, hey, y'all come pray with me. Y'all come believe with me. But... If you keep reading the story as we read just earlier, they couldn't even do that. Peter, James, and John, when Jesus needed them the most, let them down. Because he goes to pray and he comes back and what are they doing? So isn't it wild that it's a switch now? In the boat, he's sleeping and they're freaking. Now, Jesus is under stress and they're sleeping. And he comes back to them and says, hey, guys, I need you. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Pray, pray. I'll be back. Praise. Comes back a second time. Guys, what's the deal? Goes back and he does it three different times. And I think what that can teach us is this. And I want you everybody to hear me because, yes, we do need people in our life. But even if you have the right people in your life, you can still be let down. And by the way, even if you have the right people in your life, you will be let down. Because at the end of the day, our hope has never been in people. Our hope has always been in God. Our hope has never been in people. Our hope has always been in God. So I, I, I want you to hear me closely. You need to be careful judging the people who have slept on you. And here's why. Because you've slept on some people too. And some of you are holding bitterness in your heart because you feel like the people you needed the most weren't there for you the most and they slept on you. But I can promise you, you've done the same. Because at the end of the day, our hope has never been in people. 
should never be in people. And sometimes God, sometimes people let us down just for a moment for us to realize, you know what, I can only get from God what only God can give me. And maybe I'm putting expectation on people to do what only God can do. And so, yeah, he wanted them to be there for him. Yeah, he wanted them to support him. Yeah, he wanted to. But at the end of the day, God has got to be the one that helps me, which actually leads me to this, because this is our last one. Because people can't be your source. Only God can. And what God gives you that people can't is number four. And that's power. That's power. You need a preview. You need a place. You need people. But at the end of the day, what you need more than all of that is you need supernatural power. The ability to say this statement right here. God, not my will, but your will be done. You know what you need for that? Holy Spirit power. There is no way you can say, not my will, your will be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. No way. No way at all. Because in that moment, under that pressure, you will say, my will be done. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can help you be able to do his will and not your will. Come on, let's be honest in here. Listen, listen, when it comes to my will and my enemies, come on, listen, I want to hurt them. I want to talk bad about them. I want to I persecute them. But the Bible says, no, no, his will is to bless them, to speak highly of them, to pray for them. I mean, no, that's his will, not my will. Not my will. That's, that's, that's not mine at all. No, my will is that when someone hurts me, I want to hurt them. Am I the only one? Okay, I'll just make sure I was speaking to people that were real. Okay, so anybody here? That's, that's my will. What's God's will? Forgive them. Let them go. Well, God, well, I, I don't want to let them go. They need to pay for what they've done. Hey, guess what? I'm way better at paying them back than you are. And as long as you try to pay them back, I can never handle them because you're always trying to handle them. So until you release them, I can't handle with them because it's always in your hands. So God, I need the, anybody here? God, I need the power to get through the pressure that I'm going through right now. I can't do this on my own. I can't fix my marriage on my own. I need the, I need the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit to fix this relationship. My past, my, my mistakes, my pains that I've brought on my family and myself, I can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. I need his power and Jesus knew this. Jesus was on such excruciating pressure that the Bible says that he's sweating blood. This is how intense it is in the moment that he's, he's praying, God, not my will. Your will be done. God, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. But God, I know you've called me to this, and if this is what you want, God, I need you. The only reason that Jesus could be on a cross with nails in his hands and in his feet and a pierced side and then look at the people who just did it and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that under your own strength. You can't. You can't. And some of you right now, you've been under so much pressure in your life, but a lot of it has been because you've been trying to do it under your own strength, your own power, your own wit, your own intellect, your own wisdom, and it's gotten you in such a depressed, discouraged, hopeless state 
and then you blame it on God. God, why aren't you here? God, why haven't you fixed this? God, why aren't you doing this? It's because God in his love will let you get to the end of yourself to realize that it's only him that can get you out of it. It's only him that can walk you through it. It's only him that can fix the situation. So I want us to go back to Dr. Luke. One last verse. Yet again, detailed Luke. He gives us a picture that Matthew doesn't share with us. He shows us something here on how he gets the strength. Watch what it says in Luke 42. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Here's the prayer. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven. What did it do? It strengthened him. In the moment of the most honest prayer, God says, I've got a source for you. I've got strength for you. I don't know about y'all. I'm mad at Mel Gibson. I've seen the Passion of the Christ. Anybody seen the Passion of the Christ? Anybody? Listen, I saw that little demonic looking thing in the back going, ooh, you know, like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I never saw an angel. I never saw an angel. But Dr. Luke shows us after that, in that moment, he's sweating blood. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. There ain't no way. I want to quit. I want to be done. I want to tap out. God says, I got strength for you that you don't even have in yourself. And he sends an angel and he strengthens him. So here's my last encouragement. Don't be so focused on the stress that you miss the strength. Don't be so focused on the stress that you miss the strength. Some of you are so focused on what's stressful right now, but you don't realize God is strengthening you in this very moment. God is developing you, he's strengthening you, he's building you, he's encouraging you, but all you see is the stress, all you see is the blood, all you see is the pain, all you see is the hurt, all you see is the pressure, but how many know on the other side of that, if we've got a real God who will never leave you or forsake you, you've also got strength, you've also got hope, you've also got love, you've also got peace, everything you need is in him. And so Father, today, Lord, we... we we de declare our dependence upon you, our need for you. God, you know the, the pressure that every single person that is in this room and watching this right now is under. And regardless if that pressure has been because of their decisions, or other people's. I thank you that you have supernatural strength for them. Supernatural grace for them. God, I pray that you would, in these moments, give us, give us a preview. Help, help us to see what you're doing even in the midst of this. As James tells us that this is a gift that even in the tests and even in the challenges, God, that what, what's on the inside comes out. And that's a gift. Because God, it reveals things in our heart and in our life that maybe is not pleasing to you. But you're not revealing those to us to embarrass us. You're revealing those things to us because those have the potential to kill us. 
So God, today I pray that you would do surgery. May this room right here be a surgery table where we've been put on the surgery table and God, you begin to cut away at the things in our hearts. You will begin to expose the lies we believed. You begin to heal the wounds. You begin to give us the power to forgive, to release. Not my will, but your will be done. Less of me, and God, more of you. Lord, we know that sometimes you don't relieve the pressure. You enter into the pressure with us. And you help us carry it. You give us strength that we didn't have, hope that we didn't have, grace that we didn't have. So today we just declare our dependence upon you. With nobody looking around, just, this, just a moment between you and the Lord. I just, but I want to know who I'm praying for. If you're here in this room and say, man, this is, this is for me. I know that this God is speaking to me right now, specifically about this right now. If that's you, would you just shoot your hands up all across this place? This is, this is me. I know this is me. This is me. It's pressure that I've been feeling, and I know I need them. I need them. And you can put your hands down there. But I want to speak to those that are in this room right now, and maybe you, you've never given your full life to Jesus. If you're watching online, this may be you as well. Some of the pressure that we feel in our life is really honestly from our own sin. The Bible says sin is simply us just missing the mark. It's, it's, it's us living with self at the center. And some of the pressure that you're experiencing right now is because of your own decisions that you've made that, that have separated you from God. And so God in his loving grace has allowed you to walk your own path and some of that is just, you're, you're feeling that right now. But the beauty of the gospel that we preach that it's good news. And the good news is that, that even though your sin has separated you from God, God loved you enough to send his son Jesus to not only be a perfect example of what it is to live on this earth, but to go to a cross that he didn't deserve to pay for a debt that he didn't do for you and I so that we could confess him as Lord and him as our savior. And he took on our sin, he took that pressure on, he took that weight on, and he in return gives us his righteousness, his life in return for us saying, God, I want all of you. God, be my Lord, be my savior. And he rose from the grave so that we could be in relationship with him. Not religion, religion is I've gotta go do this and do this and do that and do that. It's not about what you've done, it's all about what Jesus has done. It is a gift of grace by faith through Jesus. If you're here in this room or if you're watching online, you say I know that God is not at the center of my life, I have not put him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I, I want you to just raise your hand right here where you are, if that's you, going up and say I, I, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I want to see your hands back there. Anybody else over here? If you're online, let us know as well. We want to pray with you. We've got an online prayer team. I would love to pray with you right now. And we're just going to make this declaration forward, and we're going to say this all together with you. We're going to say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross because you loved me 
you loved your father. You wanted to get me back, to pay for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay for them myself. But also, that we could be in relationship again. And so today, I recognize that my sins have separated me from you. But it's because of your grace and your love and my surrender that brings us back into relationship again. Today, I want to be born again. Make my spirit come alive inside of me. May my desires be your desires. God, I pray that you would be with me, that you would fill me, that you would forgive me, that you would cleanse me. And I give you my heart, I give you my life. From this day forward, I'll follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.